fix the jaws isn't a procedure, it's a process. You have to do successive approximations to precision, and you can't go in in one fell swoop and just build it up and expect it to work. Because when you support that joint, it's going to relax a little bit more and decompress a little bit more over time. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. I want you to use your imagination for a moment. Take a second and just imagine a probiotic that actually works. One that actually does what it's supposed to do. Heal your gut. When you find the right probiotic, the one that works, it's like winning the gut lottery. That's where our friends at Just Thrive Probiotic come in. Just Thrive Probiotic is the first and only 100% all-natural spore form, DNA verified and tested probiotic supplement. That means it has 100% survivability. It makes it through your digestive tract and does its magic in there because it doesn't get killed on the way down. It's got clinically proven strains for leaky gut. They're doing nine other ongoing human clinical trials. This is a really powerful way to support your immune system and your brain. Now, your brain really depends on the health of your gut. So not only does having a jacked up gut suck because you get all bloated and gassy and the leaky gut issues and all that, but your brain really depends on the health of your gut. And our friends over at Just Thrive have nailed it when it comes to a product that really works. You take one capsule per day with meal and you're done. You're going to heal that gut. You're going to improve your digestion. And this is how I've recently really helped my digestion and my gut health overall because I've always had problems with that. And it's getting better and better the longer I use the Just Thrive probiotic. It has completely changed the game for me. And I wanted to change the game for you. So if you want to make that happen, it's super easy. Just get over to thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. That's thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. And when you use the code Luke15 over there, you're going to save 15% off your order. That's Luke15 at thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. One of the coolest things about my job as the host of the Lifestylist podcast is always being on the cutting edge and not only finding out the best products when it comes to health, but the best companies that are making those products. Now, I'm someone that's been into bee products for a really long time. And if you heard episode 175 with Carly Stein, you got to hear me totally geek out on my obsession with bees and bee products. If you haven't heard that one, by the way, go back and check it out. That's 175. But what I didn't know about bee products is A, how many different products bees actually make in a hive, what their different uses are in terms of health support, and also that there are just a lot of companies that are making products that are very inferior. Either they're weak or they're not tested for pesticides and things like that. So the whole like bee product game I thought I was pretty on top of and I got schooled in that episode and now I'm going back and kind of re-educating myself and I'm using all of the products from Beekeepers Naturals. So they've got a few that I'm really into. There's the Propolis, 
which is kind of like the medicine of the hive. Then you've got, of course, the bee pollen, which is the food that's the protein. It's actually the highest protein food on the planet. And it's also got free forming amino acids. So it's great for pre-workout, for muscle recovery. And then of course the raw honey, which is amazing. And I thought I knew something about honey. It's got live enzymes. You know, if you take a little bit before you go to bed, it helps you sleep. There's some things like that, but it turns out Honey is a legit superfood if you get it from the right company. It's full of antioxidants and it's just insanely powerful. Then you've got royal jelly. Now, royal jelly is the chronic stuff. That's the food that's exclusively made for the queen bee. So the queen bee lives about 40 times longer than the average worker bee. So put the math together there and you'll know that royal jelly is some badass stuff. And if you want to try all of these products that the bees make in one, I'm going to recommend Bee Powered by Beekeepers Naturals. That's one of my favorites. Now, honestly, I go through it a little too fast. It comes in a jar and I just like pound that stuff. I probably weigh OD on it. You don't need to do it like I do it. You can savor it and make it last. But it's an amazing product and a really great way for you to get an introduction into all of the bee products in one jar. So go to beekeepersnaturals.com Use the code LIFESTYLIST and save 15%. That's beekeepersnaturals.com and the code is LIFESTYLIST. This episode was recorded in a dental office in Oakland, California, right after I had a mind-blowing examination that revealed the root cause of uh, some of my long-standing physical difficulties. And it seems that I'm not an exception when it comes to getting to the root cause related to jaw health. Now, this dude, Dr. Dwight Jennings, is into some seriously next-level stuff. So you've likely never heard of a dentist that talks in this way or approaches teeth and the jaw in this manner. And I was actually shocked to find out how jaw misalignment can wreak havoc on your body. So make sure to tune in to episode 321, also released today at the same time as this episode, to hear the audio or even watch the video of my entire examination with Dr. Jennings. And so you can find that on YouTube or in the podcast feed here. This is, of course, episode 320, TMJ, Jaw Pain, and Substance P, The Missing Link in Dentistry with Dr. Dwight Jennings. So here's a little bit about our guest. Dr. Jennings limited his practice to TMJ and dental medicine over 25 years ago. He has one of the few practices in the Bay Area that is limited exclusively to orofacial pain and TMJ treatment. His extensive experience in this area, coupled with his clinical research, has created an unusual expertise in TMJ treatment. For over 25 years, he's explored the connection between jaw misalignment and elevated substance P, the pain neurotransmitter, which becomes elevated with long-term bite disturbances. Here is but a few of the topics we cover in this fascinating conversation. What prompted him to pursue this more obscure practice of dentistry in the first place? The definition caused symptoms and solution to TMJ. The substance P inflammation dilemma and why it's often misdiagnosed. The surprisingly powerful effect the trigeminal nerve has on brain blood flow. The fact that night guards that fit the lower teeth prevent natural skull bone movement. The problem with Invisalign and braces to fix jaw alignment. How jaw alignment affects your spine and how it relates to back pain the root cause of many, if not most, headaches, sleep apnea, and how your jaw is related. The other many ways the jaw affects your sleep quality, jaw issues and their relationship with tinnitus, the amazing effects substance P has on stem cell production, the problem with dentists who use carbon paper to check your bite, 
erectile dysfunction, you're hearing that right, as it relates to the jaw. I know it's crazy, but it does. And finally, the missing link for pregnant women and fertility when it comes to jaw health. So that's what you can expect to learn in this fascinating conversation with a true pioneer in the field of dentistry. Enjoy the show and please share it with everyone you know who suffers from the symptoms we cover in this episode. You never know how it might change someone's life for the better. Before we jump into this episode, I want to give an audio disclaimer. I, your host, Luke Story, always do my best to offer the highest quality audio and video for every single episode of the Lifestylist podcast. However, that was not the case in this particular interview with Dr. Dwight Jennings. There was some mic interference and things that were less than perfect. However, I thought the content of this conversation was going to be so valuable to you, the listener, that you would be able to let that slide. I did want to acknowledge it. If you're a regular listener and you're thinking, what? This sounds a little funky. What happened here? Well, technology happened and we did our best to restore it to its original glory, but it's definitely not up to my usual standards. So enjoy this episode and know that I'll be back next week with near perfect audio. Dwight Jennings, here we are, man. So we just took a look in my mouth, which will be the uh, the bonus episode to this one, where you kind of describe what we're seeing in there, which I found more interesting than probably some other people will. But while we were doing that, I just realized you are really a wealth of information, and there's much more to the story here. So, what makes the type of dentistry you practice different than your average dentist in the mini mall down the street? So I don't do any general dentistry. I don't do any fillings, any crowns, any root canals, any extractions. Uh, all I do is um, jaw orthopedics, orthodontics, and medical management. And how did you get into that side of dentistry? Uh, I started right out of dental school. I started studying European um, type orthodontics. And so the Europeans figured out how to straighten teeth without braces. And you need those skills and those appliances to treat somebody orthopedically. So there's orthodontics, which gets your teeth straight, and then there's orthopedics, which gets your jaw aligned. And so we're doing craniomandibular orthopedics uh, at a precision level uh, that's not commonly understood or known about by the dental profession. Uh, clearly not. I've noticed that because aside from you, I've not really heard of anyone doing this type of work. Uh, one of the things that people typically see someone like you for is TMJ, and it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but I don't even know what the acronym stands for. So tell us what TMJ is and if that's kind of one of the main symptoms that people would come find you for. It is one of the symptoms. So TMJ stands for temporomandibular joint. So everybody's got two temporomandibular joints, uh, but TMJ is an abbreviation for temporomandibular joint dysfunction. Um, but that's a, not a good description of what we deal with in most cases. A lot of people can have pretty severe craniomandibular dysfunction without any TMJ manifestations. So they can have uh, very severe jaw dysfunction, but still not have any clicking, popping, joint pain, facial pain, uh, but still have quite a bit of, of uh, craniomandibular dysfunction. So craniomandibular dysfunction for probably most people is covert. Uh, it's not overt. It's not causing any obvious symptoms. Um, but it leads to a large number of both dental conditions, medical conditions, um, psychiatric conditions. So that leads me to this substance, this mysterious substance in the body that seems to be created in a number of ways. One of the main ones being 
jaw misalignment called substance P. Let's yes. break down what that is and why it's important. So I came across substance P probably 25 years ago. I had a, I was working with uh, physicians on chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, and I had a case that came in for migraines post uh, whiplash injury. And a year into treatment, her migraines got much better, but she confided in me a year into treatment. She says, I never told you this. She says, but until I started treatment with you, I've had six seizures a year all my life um, on average. And since you put these mouthpieces on, on me, I haven't had a single seizure. And I ran this by um, Jay Goldstein, one of the MDs I was working with. And he goes, ah, oh, that's substance P. Right? So this is a really bright, brilliant medical researcher um, looking at fibromyalgia. And so at that point, I started looking at substance P closely with all my other cases. And I've been studying it now for about 25 years. Substance P primarily comes from C fibers, the pain fibers in your body. <clears throat> pain fibers are everywhere in your body except inside on your brain. Um, and if you push the skin on somebody, pain pressure is transmitted to the brain by way of what they call C fibers, the pain fibers. And C fibers, when they get both locally and in the brain, they secrete substance P. So any kind of C-fiber stimulation tends to make the substance P levels go up in your body. The C-fibers, if you look at them under Wikipedia, they're multimodal, and they measure a lot of different things. They measure ionizing radiation. They measure body pH uh, as well as pain and pressure. Um, but C-fibers are present within your trigeminal nerve with this sensory zone from here to ear and here to here. This sensory zone has 100 times more dense C fibers than any other nerve in your body. So the C fibers on your eyeball are 400 times as dense as on your skin. And so this system, when becoming overworked and overstimulated, will, has a significant dramatic impact on substance P levels throughout your whole body. And so the substance P is a signaling molecule that's indicating that you're in pain. It's, an, it's a neurotransmitter. It's oh. an 11 amino acid neurotransmitter. Okay. And it was discovered in 1930s. Uh, and P stands for powder. It was a, a powder form that they'd uh, come up with. And uh, it wasn't until 1980 that they started doing significant research on it. And are all people that suffer with pain-associated uh, issues like fibromyalgia, are they all typically high in substance P, whether it comes from jaw misalignment or not? Yes. Is that just something you'll find no matter what? Yes. And is it uncommon that people are tracing the root of that to jaw misalignment? It'd be very rare that they would know that. Yeah, the, generally the medical community doesn't have a solution for fibromyalgia or a lot of chronic pain. Um, as substance P, so what substance P does is it lowers cell membranes and so cells fire too easily and that would be pain fibers also in your body. And so you're going to have a lot of sensory information going into the pain from these firing too easily. And so people with elevated cells and people typically have a lot of pain patterns like fibromyalgia. They have, they hurt all over or they'd have, they could have migratory pain problems as you described on yourself, or you can have localized pain problems. People get knee pain, hip pain, back pain, and shoulder pain. And what do like high levels of substance P what is it usually attributed to? I mean, in the medical community, are they, they're obviously aware of it to some degree. What, what do they think is causing it? Or oh, an overabundance <laughs> of it? Or do they, not, do they not even address it? They never address it. Oh, interesting. They never, it's not 
on their radar at all. Really? Uh-uh. Medical immunity. So there's um, Quest Diagnostics is the only laboratory company that does a substance test. And they don't even have the proper uh, norms as to what's normal on their, on their test results. Interesting. So if a guy like me who has this migratory mystery joint pain, uh, which comes and goes, if I were to get that lab test done at Quest and give you the results, you'd be able to tell whether that's an abnormal level or not. Right. But if you go by by their norms that they publish on their tests, you would never have an an abnormal level. Right. What about if somebody with something like fiber, like something more acute like that got tested, would that even raise the alarm in the medical system? Of too high of substance B? Not if you use Quest norms. Oh, okay. Yeah. Quest, um, in conversations I had with them, they took 30 employees and ran them without any medical history on them and to find out what they were. And they had two people that were, one was two that were over a thousand. Um, and so they set the norm at 1720, I believe. That's how they came up with their baseline? <laughs> like, what the hell? That's so archaic. <laughs> totally wrong. And so, I, they, so sent, they sent me 50 results, their last 50 that they had run, and not a single one of them were over 1,000. And these are sick people they're running. And so right. it's, it's clear that their norm is abnormal. Um, so, if, so if you look at the, um, uh, that self-hacked website, and he's got some norms in there too on his as to what, uh, and there's still some controversy as to what is normal. Wow. Okay. So we'll, we'll put that in the show notes and in everything that's discussed in our show notes. And now, by the way, uh, those of you listening, I don't know if you're aware of this, but our show notes are now fully transcribed, including all the links. So every single thing we talk about, every word is going to be available at lukestory.com, including oh. that link. Um, so this is interesting because I find with a lot of uh, lab tests that the standards are so broad and so general and based on the average population, at least in this country, of people that aren't very healthy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, my doctor, who's right, right across the bay there in San Francisco, Dr. Scott Schur, um, his methodology, he works with this guy, Dr. Ted Achikosi, who developed this system. It's sort of similar to functional medicine, but not even addressing symptoms at all, just optimizing all of your levels of everything, and then the symptoms go away, that kind of thing. In fact, I tell him my symptoms. He doesn't want to hear about it. He's just like, well, we just keep testing. But they, uh, you know, I'm 49 now. And when they do testing, they're looking at levels of hormones and things like that of, of a 25-year-old, not a 49-year-old. <laughs> you know, they, they're like, you don't want to be average. Do you want to be average? And say no. And that's really a problem even not only in allopathic, but in functional medicine, I think, is that we're, like, we're setting the standard, setting the bar too low. And it sounds right. like with substance P, there kind of isn't even a bar. Right. If that's how, you know. so, so my clinical finds is my, I think that the level should be less than 150 picoliters or whatever the units are that they're using. Um, and most of my chronic pain patients come in in the neighborhood of about 350 to 700. And are you able to see that number go down when you're yes. you know, proactively getting their jaw alignment right. back in place? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you can see a direct correlation. Right. Wow. Uh, kind of a random question, which I, I think we talked about and we we're doing the exam, but um, I've talked to different holistic dentists about night guards. Mm-hmm. And they say that if you have a night guard on your upper teeth, that it prevents your skull from moving, that when you sleep, part of your brain's detox mechanism is those 
detox mechanism is the you know, the plates in your skull having the ability to shift and move around. What do you think about that? So, so craniosacral is very real, and the craniosacral pump mechanism is very very real. Um, and I I would I would think though that um, the uh, let's talk a little bit about neurology. So so. Um, when you're trying to figure out what's most important, if you look at what's most important, probably impacting that craniosacral mechanism wouldn't be as important as having the jaw orthopedically out of position, right? And so it's hard to get that jaw orthopedically precise with an upper appliance, right? Um, the lower jaw is a little more effective. There's sensors in your teeth, skin, lips, everywhere that tell the brain where your jaw is in space. Those are called proprioceptors. All the proprioceptors from your trigeminal nerve go to a particular nucleus in the brain brain called the trigeminal mesencephalic nucleus. It is composed of the only sensory cell bodies in the brain. Wow. All the sensory cell bodies for your eyes, ears, and skin are out in the ganglion, but your jaw proprioceptors are in the brain. Damn. Right. So for some reason, developmentally, jaw alignment is, has a, a really high importance in brain function. And that nucleus is paired side by side with your locus ceruleus, which is your sympathetic ganglion. And they share a lot of information. So anytime there's a jaw misalignment, it puts you into sympathetic overdrive. So this is people running around with mystery anxiety and nothing's wrong in their life could be having just the root of that being in this misalignment. Yes. Yep. And, you know, we're going to get into more of the kind of symptoms of, of this issue and, of course, the solution to it, which is the most fun part of every podcast I do. <laughs> it's kind of like problem, reaction, solution is the model. I get people's attention like, oh, shit, do I have this? But I want to just back up, you know, you know, the creation developed the human body with such perfection uh why do so many people now have this job misalignment when you know a natural human uh, body evolutionarily speaking is perfect except for those rare cases of someone born with birth defects so is this coming down post agriculture would this not have been an issue prehistorically yeah so they think the in the last 250 years that there's been very dramatic shifts in craniofacial structure that we've been morphing in very dangerous and troubling ways. Um, and they think that's primarily due to what they call industrialized diet. So the food that we're eating these days is not hard enough, tough enough, and making us work hard enough to develop the structure. And it's epigenetically being expressed and so every generation is statistically and significantly worse than their parents. And so these days, the vast majority of humans are born with quite substantial compromised uh, head-jaw relationships. Both the upper jaw and the lower jaw are receding back into the skull. And, and so that's why there's such a huge amount of snoring and sleep apnea. Um, you know, 60% of the population over 60 now has snoring and sleep apnea. Um, but it's why there's so much crowding in young children. Um, and, and so the dental profession, the orthodontic profession has seen this mass pathology, but they haven't, they're not aware of the medical ramifications of this. The, the shifts into the neurological function, the brain function, the immune function. Um, nobody's really talking about that neurological model. 
much at this point. So if we wanted to stop that uh, chain reaction generationally, so a guy like me, I don't have kids, I would say, I fix my jaw alignment and I have a kid and my mate fixes her jaw alignment if it's needed. And then we have a kid. Is it likely that that's going to then be reflected positively on the offspring or is it too late because it's already in the gene? It's a little bit too late. It's already in the genes, but what you do is going to affect. It's like the Pottinger cat studies or the Western prices research um, that you, you um, you know, when they degenerated the cats in the Pottinger cat studies, it took four generations to bring them back when they put them on raw food, right? And, and Weston Price showed that there was pretty significant shifts as people start to eat food of commerce, the white flour and the white rice within one generation. Um, but he did have cases too where the parents got back on better foods and the, the children um, later that were born later didn't have the birth defects that they found. Oh, uh, so you can correct it. It just takes a while. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, we were talking about that earlier. And that, to me, that was one of the most, and I don't even know that much about Western Price. I've never even read the actual book, but I've just seen all the photos that he did when he mm-hmm. traveled around the world and he studied all these indigenous people that had been untouched by civilization and um, the industrialized food chain, you know, eating off the land as natural hunter gatherers. And it's just incredible not only how robust their bodies were. I mean, they just, they're just all beasts. They just look fit and amazing, mm-hmm. but they all have these huge, just Hollywood smiles, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of smiles people in my town pay 50 grand for, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and every person to a man or to a person says these beautiful wide smiles. There's no crooked teeth. And it's something that I notice. um, you know, people rag on the, the British a lot or are kind of known for having pretty jacked up teeth, you know, and you think about, oh man, it's that the post-agriculture food model. We're just not eating food that's, that's natural to, um, to the human ape, you know? And right. so you see this generationally kind of getting worse and worse. And I think there's a reason why. I think one of the books here that I brought up. Oh, what do you got? This one's <clears throat> how anthropology informs the orthodontic diagnosis. And so this is all about modern studies around the world. Oh, interesting. Showing that each generation, that successive generations are now statistically and significantly worse than their parents. That and is, so what, what, it's on all continents. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah, that's scary. So what we do essentially is, you know, we're born with jacked up teeth and then cosmetically, we want to make those teeth straight, but we're not really looking into, A, the root cause of diet and lifestyle, and then, you know, correcting the jaw alignment itself right. as part of that solution. Wow. Uh, the tri, what's it called? Trigeminal? Trigeminal. Trigeminal nerve. nerve. Mm-hmm. How does that affect uh, cognition and blood flow when that's impeded by jaw misalignment? So there's what they call the key search term here is regional cerebral blood flow. So regional cerebral blood flow, it's a a PubMed search term. Uh, Regional cerebral blood flow is regulated by your trigeminal nerve. That's why when a boxer gets hit in the jaw and you stimulate this nerve too much, it shuts down brain blood flow and they pass out. Or if you eat ice cream too fast and stimulate the too much cold, you'll get a brain freeze. It also alters brain blood flow. But the, one of the Japanese studies showed that people missing their back molars, when they clench down, on average, it decreased brain blood flow by 
Right. 40%. But I see a number of cases. <laughs> How do you uh, even talk when you're missing 40% right. of the blood in your brain? So they, so they get a lot of brain fog. Like I saw a young uh, boy. He had a moderate overbite. Um, but when they did orthodontics on him, they put braces on all of his teeth, but his last molar. And the last molar in the back was off by three millimeters, an eighth of an inch. It didn't line up with the upper one by an eighth of an inch. And he, even though he, he was extremely brilliant kid, he couldn't go to college. He couldn't perform. He couldn't react. He couldn't. He had just too much brain fog. Brain didn't work on him because of those back molders being real far off. Him. So you, wow. can, you can get so into that's... a lot of brain fog. A lot of we see those. You know, I saw two cases this past week um, with pretty severe brain fog. And so that's just the relationship between this nerve, not even counting the substance P issue right. and the subsequent inflammation caused by right. the abundance of that in your body. Right. And so the. The problem is, is if you ever end up with a transient ischemic attack, right? If you ever have a, a temporary decrease in brain blood flow when you pass out mm-hmm. and you go to the emergency room, I've never, ever seen them consider trigeminal sensor input as a problem. So, medical, so when, when you have a, a problem, medicine is supposed to come up with a differential diagnostic list of all the things that it could be, but bite is never an option with temporary ischemic attacks. Wow. And why do you think dentistry and medicine in general are so ignorant of this particular niche issue? Well, a lot, uh, they just, they can't communicate, right? So the the dentists don't have any medical uh, understanding of how sensory input through the trigeminal impacts medical issues. They're, They're not missing all that neurology. Uh, and medicine, if they knew the neurology, if they sent it to a dentist, the dentist wouldn't know how to fix it. But the den- dentist, by and large, doesn't know how to do precision jaw orthopedics. Nothing the dentist would do would likely reverse the problem. So it's two fields, just basically speaking of a second language. Right. And then when it comes to this, this issue and the substance P and things like fibromyalgia and other related disorders that we're going to get into, uh, is there any, do you perceive any conflict of interest or rather a lack of interest in the medical community because of pharmaceutical sales motivations that in some cases, perhaps certain entities don't want a solution to ongoing and, and unsolvable issues like that? Yeah, I don't, I think the, so, the, so there's no substance P antagonist. There is a single substance P antagonist approved, but it's only approved for severe nausea after chemotherapy, uh, right? And there's lots of papers where they've used it experimentally to treat other medical conditions, but it's FDA approved only for use for severe nausea. But since there's a lack of pharmaceutical remedies for substance P, physicians never think about substance P and just don't go there either. It's not within, and they don't think of a dental solution because they don't know about that either. And so most physicians, if you mention substance P, it's a very vague term to them that they have very little understanding of. Until now, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> All you doctors listening, listen up. So when it comes to uh, uh, and going to see it, it's an orthodontist that would do braces and stuff, yes. right? Uh-huh. Okay, so, so say just I have cosmetic issues with my bite or my teeth are wearing down because my bite's off. Uh, why doesn't... Um, the application of Invisalign or braces that are straightening the teeth, why doesn't that fix the alignment of the jaw? How are they not related? 
So, so the primary defect in most craniomandibular disorders is a lack of height in the back teeth. So if you go in and put braces on all the teeth, it limits those teeth from ever growing taller. Right? Or if you use Invisaligns, they temporarily build those back teeth up taller because there's plastic on top of both the upper and lower teeth. And my daughter's currently going through Invisalign, right? And she tells me this weekend that when she takes her Invisaligns off, she can only touch on her front teeth, right? <laughs> so, so she's compressed and you put those Invisaligns in for 16 hours a day. When you take them off, the joint doesn't readily compress again. And so, if, so you, I see about a case a month that comes in that gets into severe um, problems from Invisaligns. They get done with Invisaligns and are only hitting on their front teeth. And the back teeth don't touch. Um, has, has anyone come up with a way to do the Invisalign, but also raise those back teeth? It would be very easy. You just got to cut the Invisalign off so it doesn't cover the last tooth during the treatment. I see. Right, and you can grow the back teeth taller. Aside from growing the back teeth taller, can you put crowns or something can, on them? You can do that too. Uh-huh. Also, in cases that prosthetic, but then you have to find out where it is that that jaw wants to be before you do the crowns, and you have to go through that. And so dentistry doesn't, for the most part, doesn't understand that protocol. Right. That is, um, that is wherever you put the jaw in time, it wants to be a little bit different. It's this, to fix the jaws isn't a procedure, it's a process. You have to do successive approximations to precision. Um, and you can't go in in one fell swoop and just build it up and expect it to work. Because when you support that joint, it's going to relax a little bit more and decompress a little bit more over time. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. A lot of people like myself and listeners of this show like to experiment with the supplements and all of the biohacking technologies. And it's easy to get sidetracked with all this stuff. You know, we all want health, vitality, longevity. And many of us think we can buy our way into it. However, I'm going to tell you from my own subjective experience that nothing, and I mean nothing, beats deep, restful, restorative sleep when it comes to your health and vitality. So for the past five years or so, since I started this podcast and really committed to this path, I've been looking for anything and everything that improves my sleep reliably. And that brings us to today's sponsor, Sovereignty.co who make an incredible sleep formula called Dream. It's got therapeutic doses of clinically studied traditional Chinese and Ayurvedic herbs, broad-spectrum hemp extract grown in California. It's fortified with CBN and a custom sleep terpene formula. It's also independently lab-tested for purity, so you know there's not going to be any funky heavy metals or mold or excipients or fillers or any of that crap. When you get a box of Dream, you'll find that each individual dose is bio-wrapped in convenient little packets that are great for travel and also protect the nutrients from losing potency. So I like to pack a suitcase with all my different supplements and things like that. Oftentimes, I spill them, lose them, leave them out in the sun, and they just become ineffective. So I really like this product dream, not only for the ingredient deck and its effectiveness, but also the way it's packaged. And I pay attention to stuff like this when it comes to uh, my lifestyle because I want things to work and I want to be able to travel with them. So if you want to check out this Dream product, I highly recommend that you do so. In fact, I'm about to have my nightly dose of Dream right now in this Airbnb from which I record this plug. Uh, Here's what you do if you want to join the Dream team. Go to Sovereignty.co. That's spelled S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y. Sovereignty.co. And during this 2020 
holiday season, you can save yourself a 20% off by using the code LOOP20. So again, go to Sovereignty.co, use the code LOOP20 to save 20%. And now back to the interview. When I'm thinking about the skeleton and the, uh, the cervical spine and how that, you know, carries down through the other parts of the spine. And I'm, I'm just kind of picturing in my mind, I'm just picturing that skeleton in the doctor's office and looking at it from behind and how the jaw connects to the skull and how all this is going on. It seems like there's got to be a very direct correlation between spinal misalignment. Is there a relationship between scoliosis, back pain? Does this eventually kind of bend and radiate its way down to lower back issues and things like that? Yeah, so there's... There's a very large number of articles showing that um, as the lower jaw goes back, that people go into a forward head posture. It straightens out the cervical spine. And as you reverse that, as you treat these cases and bring the chin forward, it makes the head, as you stretches out, all of it tries to go back. And so you end up putting the curvature back into the neck. And so the cervical vertebrae stay a lot better. All the pain fibers from the trigeminal and upper cervical go to the same nucleus in the brain. Uh, they believe that the upper quarter is a functional unit on the body. Um, and so anything going on in the back will typically affect neck and shoulder girdle. Uh, if you shorten back teeth on animals, Japanese have done 40 years of research showing anytime you shorten the back teeth on animals, it causes the opposite side of the body to become hypertonic, tense, and then all the animals get scoliosis. Right? So there's a very, and then as the spine tightens up, and as your southern P levels go up, southern P is a primary regulator of calcium metabolism in the body. And so you're getting osteopenia, osteoporosis, the cerebral vertical uh, breakdown, um, a lot more stress on the spine. And so you'd see a lot more spinal problems with as the bites degenerate. You were mentioning something earlier about substance P and its relation to the calcium influx in the cells. Can you explain that? Because I found it was really interesting because it's essentially the same thing that EMF does. Mm-hmm. So break, break that down for us. So um, what substance P does to the body is it attaches to the receptor, what they call NK1 receptor on cell membranes. And, it, and when it attaches to that, it opens up a channel that allows calcium influx into cells. Right? Cell, cell membrane becomes porous. That's also the same problem on brain, blood-brain barrier too. Okay? And when that cell membrane is no longer integral, then the body can't detoxify either. It loses its pump mechanism. It can't pump the guts because the cell membranes, the pump mechanism isn't intact. When the calcium gets into the cell, it gets into the mitochondria and messes with mitochondrial uh, energy production. Cells go from aerobic to anaerobic. You get a lot more fatigue. Oh, interesting. Right. And it's that calcium in the mitochondria that's suspected as being the primary driver on um, genetic alterations leading to cancer. Wow. And so if we have high levels of substance P, whether it be from other issues or jaw misalignment, as we're describing, and you're in a high EMF environment a lot of the time, your cells are getting constantly flooded with calcium, as are your mitochondria. So, so again, so it's like a double jeopardy in that case. Right? So again, it's going to be that mechanism from EMF to uh, calcium influx is going to be through C fibers. Oh. Right? So C fibers are multimodal. Like uh, when uh, Fukushima 
meltdown happened in Japan. They asked one of the researchers there, how do you know somebody got too much radiation? He says, you measure their sub-P levels. Oh, no kidding. Right. And so but the electromagnetic fields are going to, uh, I suspect, go through C fibers and through the sensory system. And it will be through substance P that you get that calcium influx from, oh, the, from, really? the, from the EMF. Oh, so that's why the EMF does that. Yeah, that's oh, why the EMF does that. Yeah. trippy. I've never heard right. that. And I've geeked out on EMF a lot. Yeah. So I'm super sensitive to it. Yeah. Wow, that's trippy. So that's how it does that. So, so when substance P that's goes wild. up in the body... It hypersensitizes all sensory neurons in your body, you know, whether that's the C fibers or your parametric pressure fibers or anything. And so people that have bite dysfunction have a generalized hypersensitivity syndrome. They're more sensitive to noise and to light and to hot and to cold and to food and to drugs and to stress, right? Just from that substance P hypersensitizing. And when you, when the body becomes hypersensitive then it loses homeostasis, it can no longer appropriately react to its sensor, to its environment, to the sensor input. And so it gets sick all the time. Right. And this would explain things like well, EMF sensitivity being more sensitive. Because right. I know that some people are like me, we're canary in the coal mine. We, right. There's a Wi-Fi router in the room. Like I know it's on or off. Right. You know, I'm hypersensitive and chemical sensitivities, I'm exactly. assuming, would be yeah. um, affected in the same way. So chemical sensitivities is, is that way, but it's also a little bit different. It's, um, so we have two noses in our body. Most people don't know that. There's the olfactory, which everybody knows about, but the chemoreceptors in your body are part of your trigeminal nerve, right? And so uh, chemical, multiple chemical sensitivity is usually going to be a bite problem because that trigeminal is overexcited. What isn't a bite problem, Dwight? <laughs> <laughs> listeners, I, you know, it's going to sound like he's, he's saying everything's a bite problem, so everyone comes to see him, but I'm, I'm sure you're, Plenty busy already, but I mean, I'm just like, God, this is so annoying that no one knows about this. Well, I guess that's why we're here. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it's obvious this has got to have a lot to do with uh, migraines and headaches. How, how does this jaw and substance beeping play into people with chronic headaches? So there's only two things that cause headaches, right? Substance P and another co-secreted neurotransmitter called calcitonin gene-related peptide. Right, and they just in the last six months came out with a uh, injection for calcit to block calcitonin gene related peptide, and it's once a month injection. Um, but the research shows that bite therapy is ninety five percent effective, eighty seven percent effective at eliminating headaches, regardless of the type of headache. So researchers don't think headaches are are um, different types. They think they're on a continuum: a little bit of this symptom, a little bit of that. But they're all. Uh, from the trigeminal nerve being overexcited and overstimulated that brings on a headache. And in most cases, it's temporalis hyperactivity pulling the jaw back. The test that should be done for migraines is they should be doing surface electromyography, looking at your temporalis and masseters bilateral. And in a good bite, these four muscles fire equally and simultaneously. But in a bad bite, there's a torque. And so one's going to be firing quicker or uh, blocked or weak and not responding appropriately. And so that's a test that should be done for migraines. Um, but it's most, the vast majority of headaches are going to be through jaw dysfunction. Wow, damn. I wish I would have known this. I think three weeks ago, I did a solo episode where I talked about different treatments for headaches. And I guess they're pretty good ones, but this wasn't one of them, which sounds like probably the most prevalent. And then what about, uh, what about allergies? If we have this excited state in our body, uh, 
you know, and you, you mentioned kind of in relation to food, what about environmental allergies? So, so that too. So again, it's that substance P being elevated that makes us overreactive to whether it's pollen or dust or mites or whatever. Um, and as you get that substance P levels lowered, um, I just had a patient come in that had finished his treatment a couple of years ago and he was telling me this year his, his uh, spring allergies were non-existent. Um, and it's, it's, again, it's the, the literature is very clear uh, that the P drives a generalized hypersensitivity syndrome. And is there any other way, uh, other, like say you, you've got a perfect jaw alignment, but you're still really, you're running really high in substance P. Are there any other known causes of that or solutions to it? I mean, are there potent antioxidants or anti-inflammatories or anything like that right. that can help bring those levels down if it's not a jaw issue? So the primary thing you, know, you want to look at is magnesium levels. Magnesium deficiency will drive up your substance P levels. Magnesium calms things down, right? Um, all the spices mitigate the effect of southern pea, whether that's turmeric, cinnamon, vanilla, right? Um, resveratrol is a, has been shown to uh, lower southern pea levels. Acupuncture massage lower southern pea levels. Um, with some uh, mild exercise will lower your southern pea levels. I wonder if float tanks do it. You're floating, you know, sensory deprivation mm-hmm. chambers. You're floating in all that magnesium chloride. Probably would. And your yep. just nervous system is just <laughs> calm down. Unless sure. you're claustrophobic, then your nervous system is <laughs> excited because you're paranoid of being trapped in a box. <laughs> okay, so there are a few things that we could do other right. than that. Cayenne pepper is the primary herbal remedy for eliminating substance P out of the body. But oh, you, interesting. But you have to be careful because it temporarily elevates your substance P. It triggers substance P release. And it eventually depletes your body of substance P. That is, people that eat a lot of chili peppers are tough hombres. They don't right. feel pain right, as easily, right? right? Uh, they primarily use cayenne pepper in hot climates to lower the substance P level so they can tolerate the heat better. That's good to know. And for yeah. those listening and for the show notes, there's um, the best cayenne supplement I've ever found is made by, formulated by a doctor named Dr. Richard Schultz, a famous American herbalist. He's got a company called. Uh, American Botanical Pharmacy. And he's the guy I first started following like you know, 23 years ago. And they make a, um, a cayenne extract, a liquid extract. Wow. I mean, you put, one, <laughs> it's so potent. And they check for mold. It's, you know, it's really legit. But one drop of that in like a small glass of water and you're on fire. I mean, it's so concentrated. And the little bottles, I don't know, it's probably 30 bucks. It would last, you could take it every day. It would last you six months or something. You know? wow. so that's good. I'm going to get back on that. Because yeah. that wasn't one of the things that was indicated for, but I think if you're going to take cayenne, that's probably the best and cleanest way to take it. So duly noted on that. Um, I hear the term sleep apnea thrown around a lot. I don't really know what that is. There's all these machines for it, and it's a bit mysterious to me. So break down what sleep apnea is and how it differs from just someone who snores. So um, snoring is you have a narrow airway, and the air going through there makes noise, right? And it's typically worse on your back because on your back, gravity pulls your jaw back, pulls the tongue back and narrows that airway in the back. So people typically on the sleeping on the side will have less snoring. Apnea is where people stop breathing. That is that oh, airway damn. airway is so close that it becomes too much work for the body to hold it open. And it collapses enough that they just stop breathing. Uh, apnea, oh, is, so apnea is pretty serious. Pretty serious. And so when you go, when you stop breathing and you hold that for very long, then the body goes into fight or flight and you wake back up, you get your muscle tone and you gasp 
and you take a breath. And that can happen, you know, 20, 30 times a minute. And oh, some people, their oxygen levels in their body will drop really, really low. You know, going from 95, 98, they'll drop to oxygen saturation in the 60s, 70s, or 80s. Really? Yeah. That's low. And so that's, that's lower than it gets on an airplane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, they can get really low. And so that becomes severely stressful to the body and, and can induce a lot of um, immune function, heart disease, and, and other problems. And how do people typically deal with apnea in the conventional uh, medical model? Uh, they get CPAPs. They get the air machine that pumps the air into them. And so that CPAP is forcing air through that small opening so you don't uh, develop uh, an apnea, so you don't stop breathing. And what percentage of the time would you say jaw alignment has a uh, causal effect on apnea? So the, the research is that for mild and moderate cases, it's highly effective. And one of the sleep study um, organizations recommends that the first line of treatment is dental anterior repositioning therapy. Uh, but for severe cases, oftentimes you may need surgery in addition to um, uh, CPAP. Oh, wow. I'm glad I don't have that. Uh, I. I noticed that if I, I've attempted at different times for my, there's a back pain to sleep on my back. And when I sleep on my back, I'll start snoring, but it only happens if I sleep on my back. Right. It's not even that I snore. I just kind of wake up like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, just, it's not like I stay asleep snoring. I just go, oh shit, I can't breathe. I have to move over, you know? Right. And you, when you ex- did my examination, you said on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the worst jaw alignment you've ever seen that I'm around the three, which is relatively mild. Correct. Uh, do you do you anticipate that if, if I were to go through the you know the process of how long that takes of incrementally fixing that 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 could be a solution to that can't sleep on your back? Thing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. That's exciting because my body feels a lot better when I sleep on my back, and I can. It's just it's important to breathe, and when that stops, it's- so sleeping on your back from a chiropractic standpoint is the best position, but from a TMJ position, jaw position, it's probably the worst position. Oh, really? People are much better on the side or something. Do you recommend people side sleep? Yes. Even once you've sorted them out? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe that dream is just not one that I'm going to (laughs) realize in this lifetime. Okay, that's good. Uh, How does this relate to uh, tinnitus? You know, so many of my questions when I do these interviews, and I'm sorry to the audience, uh, but they're selfish. Uh, And this one definitely would be in that category. Uh, Some years ago, I think I had a I suspect I had a bit of an ear infection from going in a funky hot spring. And um, like I've done a lot of, and uh, I lost maybe 30, 40% of hearing in the left ear. And so now I'm, I'm that guy at 40 and I'm like, what, why did you say, you know, I have to turn my head a certain way to hear people, but the ringing is quite consistent. And um, if I don't ignore it, it's terribly annoying. Now I've learned to just phase it out and I kind of have a sort of living meditative practice I do to not, energize the thoughts about it but if i think about it, i'm like holy shit it's really loud all the time uh, is this a common effect i'm, I'm imagining that your ears are so interconnected to your jaw there must be some connection. so there's some great literature on that it's called there's uh, literature on what they call somatic tinnitus so they know that sensory input from all parts of the body affects hearing we're all integrated so there's research where they play with the arm and alter hearing but under somatic tinnitus, they understand that due to the massive size of this nerve and its proximity and the way that this nerve feeds into the brain, that sensor input from your trigeminal is going to be the primary cause of most tinnitus. 
Wow. And so the research uh, on not so good at jaw orthopedic therapy shows that jaw orthopedic therapy is about 50% effective at eliminating tinnitus. But if they were to do it more precisely, I suspect it would be even higher. Also with jaw dysfunction, um, there's um, a book called The Dental Physician, and he's written, he has a complete chapter on, on ear uh, hearing loss. Uh, and he's shown that he can reverse hearing loss also with jaw, this, uh, jaw therapy. Really? Uh-huh. Ooh, um, that's exciting. Yeah, so he, sh- he had before and after tympanogram um, studies showing that um, as he postured those jaws more forward, that he could dramatically alter hearing loss in a number of cases. Damn. Wow, that's helpful. Yeah. I'm sure I'm not the only one. And, you know, who knows how directly mine's related since my bite's not that crazy off. But still, I always approach things as, as a, you know, even if it's not a one-shot solution that you just do everything you can that could possibly be causing that thing and eventually you're going to improve it to some degree the the fact that it correlated with a ear infection mm-hmm. um also makes you think that it's more bite related um there's a couple studies that i've seen on young children with constant ear infections and when they went in and glued plastic onto the baby molars of these children and built their back molars up taller uh it was 95 percent effective at stopping all future ear infections no, so the so the eustachian tube, which drains your ear, which has to function, or you're going to get an ear infection, is the little muscle at the bottom of it is controlled by your trigeminal nerve. And so, if there's too much muscle tension, too much trigeminal hyperactivity, it won't let that ear tube drain properly, and then you get backed up and you get ear infections frequently. Oh, interesting! Wow, what a trip! What don't you know about that? <laughs> this particular niche? I'm just like, it's so crazy how this is related to everything. Uh, I'm curious about the substance P and its relationship to the differentiation of stem cells So and how that would then lead into leukemia and different other issues that have to do with your immune right. function, et cetera. So substance P controls stem cell differentiation in the bone marrow and in all tissues. Um, so that means if your bite's off and you have too much elevated substance P, the stem cell transplants aren't going to work. Right, but where it controls stem cell differentiation in the bone marrow, it determines whether you have enough red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, mast cells, whatever. Right, um, and so there's researchers that think that substance P is the sole cause of leukemia. Really? Um, wow! But I've had uh, so mo- all the blood cancers. I, I suspect will respond fairly readily to bite therapy by impacting because it's a quick response thing. It's um, unlike other tissues, it, it responds very quickly. Um, in some of the cases that I've treated has had a dramatic impact on a, we've done a lymphoma, a couple of leukemias, and a multiple myeloma case that have responded favorably uh, with bite therapy. Really? Uh-huh. So would you say that this would be something in addition to whatever traditional or non-traditional treatments people are doing that have cancer of any type or just blood cancer would benefit from? It, the research would suggest that it's um, across the board. Uh, uh-huh. I have an article that's being published in the May issue of Cranial coming out in a couple months uh, with regard to that. Wow, cool. That's exciting. Yeah. And then what about the relationship with autism? So I have a theory on autism. Um, and my theory is that, the, is that the mother has a bad bite and she gestates this baby for nine months in an altered neuro, neurochemical environment. Too much substance P. 
the research shows that autistic babies pop out of the womb with too much substance pee. And I think it's the, um, when their teeth come in and they inherit that bad bite, maybe even possibly worse than their parents. That's what really trips them up and why you see an often a delayed onset in autism. The primary pathology in autism is the inflammation of the brain, which is primarily controlled by substance P. All the sensory problems they have in, in uh, autistic children, all the gut issues, those would all also suggest a elevated substance P. Um, the effect of trigeminal input into the um, brain stem and, and, and how that affects polyvagal theory would also account for the asocial behavior of a lot of autistic children. And that's huge. Uh, and so the, the um, like I have one autistic boy that I treated. He came in at age uh, seventh, eighth grade, a uh, severely violent child. Um, he was in special ed. Um, as we started treating him, the, his um, school teachers realized that if his bike got off at all, he'd become very violent and they would send him back to me. Are you serious? <laughs> they said, yeah, you need to go have your bike checked, right? And so he ended up being the only child in special ed that graduated with a high school diploma. Really? Uh That's huge, man. Yeah. And so his mother thinks he was adopted. His mother thinks that that I saved his life, that he would end up very violent. Um, Substance P in the last uh, five or six years has been shown to be the primary driver of most negative brain um, uh, behavioral problems, uh, both depression, anxiety, bipolar. Anger, violent, and addictive behavior are heavily driven by substance P in the brain. Okay, and so it, it's re- relevant in the uh, world of addiction too, huh? Oh, world of addiction, yep. So um, the opioid crisis, they're not going to get anywhere if they don't look at bites, right? There's, these people are all self-medicating. They're, they're all, the body's just buzzed, too agitated, and they're trying to bring that down, and that's what the opiates give them a temporary momentary relief. Um, but they're going to have to get those suds and P levels down to stop these addictions. Um, nobody's there yet. Right? <laughs> it sounds like it. Well, they're going to be. And whoever's listening to this episode, share it with anyone you know in the medical or dental profession, please. Yeah. Like that's all. That's all I ask. Uh, in, in addition to the uh, the issue with the gestation of a woman with a bad bite. How else does this issue relate to fertility in general? And is it something that, you know, all women that are getting ready to have kids should look into in your opinion? In my opinion, I believe it would. Yeah, it'd be just like the Weston Price recommendation where they look at uh, the foods that they eat before conception. I think also the bite would be a major factor. But uh, as substance P levels go up, it puts you into estrogen dominance. Uh, And so you end up with a much higher fibroid problem, but also miscarriages. Uh, and infertility issues. One of the cases I treated once was a was this lady, forty year old lady. She had a nineteen year old daughter, and she had had um, seventeen years of unprotected sex. And we put her in a mouthpiece, and she came up pregnant three months later. Wow! Right, <laughs> because of the hormonal balance that was created as a result of lowering substance P. Correct. Wow, that's crazy. Right. And I've had numerous other cases that that's- were infertile. Or had multiple miscarriages that were able to carry the term. Wow. Yeah. I wonder, do you, do you think this has, I mean, with this, other than the obvious reasons of a woman who's you know, sort of past the baby making crime window, um, do you think that 
over time, if your jaw is misaligned, that the jaw is getting worse. And as a move, as a woman moves into her mid forties and into her fifties, do you think that's part of the infertility equation? Or is once your jaw mm-hmm. is misaligned and you're full of substance B, it's just kind of that way and it just keeps going or does it get worse as you get older? So bite dysfunction causes a continuum of disorders throughout your lifetime. So in infancy, you see a lot more um, uh, colicky, ear infections, colds, flus, allergies, asthma. Um, and as you get older, as you get into the 20s and 30s, you'll see more uh, TMJ problems, more headaches, more uh, musculoskeletal problems. Um, as you get into your 40s, you're going to see more autoimmune disorders. It gets more deeper into the body. And in your 60s, 70s, you're going to see more neurodegenerative disorders. Wow. So it keeps morphing. Right. Um, so um, bite dysfunction causes chaotic, chaotic behavior. So it's under chaos theory. And what chaos theory tells us is that when you throw a monkey wrench into a complex system, the outcome's not predictable. And this is part of why it's not well understood by the medical profession because it creates a very uh, shotgun scattering effect of disease. You know, 3% are going to get this, 5% are going to get this. But it's not a very strong linear correlation with any one particular disease. Uh, there's a Kaiser study showing that people with TMJ problems have very high medical utilization rates. But nobody's ever gone the other way. They've never screened people for high medical utilization and gone back to see if there's a job problem. And perhaps that answers the question, which is going to be everyone's big question. Uh, why don't more people know about this? Because there's not direct causal relationships right. between so many of these right. symptoms right right and if everyone knew that oh, you know it's not the chaos theory it's like jaw alignments off this is exactly what happens every time and it's predictable and repeatable right but there's this randomness to it that makes right. it hard to trace and i've noticed exactly. that a lot with lyme too you know in lyme mm-hmm. the symptoms are so random and it's hard to diagnose and everyone has kind of different symptoms at different times and so it gets sort of i think less serious attention yes i think a lot of the Lyme is going to be TMJ. There, there's multiple studies showing that 95% of Lyme patients have TMJ problems. And in most of those, they're theorizing that the Lyme is causing the TMJ. But I think the evidence is that it's the other way around, that it's the TMJ causing the Lyme. Um, the substance P opens up cell membranes and makes you vulnerable, not only viral, but spirochete invasion. Um, and um, the bullseye that you get from a tick bite tells you that that person already has elevated substance P. But for elevated substance P, they wouldn't have that dramatic of a reaction to a tick bite. That is, some people get a tick bite, they just pick it off, and there's never any reaction, hardly at all. But some people get the big bullseye, and that big bullseye tells you this person is hyper-responsive and reacts in an uh, unusual manner to a tick bite. Uh, It's not the infection that's causing that bullseye, as it's the inflammatory response in the body from elevated substance P. Damn, that's crazy. That would also explain why one person can get bit by a bee and have relatively no reaction or little reaction. Another person, their whole arm swells up. Would that be substance B as well? Same thing, yes. Wow. The same thing, yeah. Um, Dude, you struck gold here with this stuff. This is so (laughs) interesting. I'm like, ah, god damn, so good to know. Wow, okay. Anytime you're looking at the inflammatory response, you always got to think about substance P and... uh, Substance P uh, stimulates the um, production of the cytokines that stimulate that modulate the inflammatory response. The the interleukin one, beta, and the interleukin six and eight, and they're pushed up by uh, produced 
by substance B. Okay, now that we know that the jaw alignment and, and its tendency to produce too much of this substance P is the issue, what does, um, what does treatment look like for someone who's moderately to severely affected? Like, wh- how long does the process take? What do you do in someone's mouth? What kind of appliances do you use? How much does it end up costing? Like, what does someone do if they're like, whoa, I have all these symptoms and I've always known my jaw's off? Right. So we, we examine them. We uh, integrate their medical history. We refer them for, um, we don't have the equipment here. We, we refer them out for a CBCT, a three-dimensional x-ray that shows you the jaw joint. So we kind of want to know what, how degenerated that joint might be on them. Like I just saw a... Um, 17-year-old boy, and they pulled a six-year molar on him when he was younger, and he severely retreated too. Right? And so that he's missing about a third of the bone on his upper jaw. Right? Um, and so that gives you a little more clue, insight on how big of much pathology you're dealing with. But, but generally, what you find on the x-rays isn't significant as to impact on treatment. Just do the same thing, even if you knew or didn't know what was going on on the x-rays. But generally, you've got to bring the jaw forward and get them out tip to tip in most cases. And so you do that initially with a orthopedic appliance. This looks like these. Oh, cool. Those of you that are watching on video, he's got an example right here. Mm-hmm. So here's an upper appliance. And these are what are called twin block crozets. These little metal frameworks were patented in 1905 called crozets. Oh, really? And then the acrylic blocks that go on them were invented by a dentist from uh, Ireland about 30 years ago. Um, and so there's a little ramp on the front that matches up with the ramp on the bottom. And those little ramps give you a lot of sensory guidance. So you can take somebody with an overbite and with this ramps in there, they instantaneously bite forward. You can make them bite more forward. And then you're going to end up, when you go into the second phase of treatment, you're going to grind the plastic off in the back and the bone will push these back teeth up taller. Oh, so you just incrementally keep grinding back the plastic as the jaw moves back. Wow, that's it's relatively simple. And this little uh, upper appliance um, is, uh, you can use it uh, when you get the jaw lined up, know exactly where the jaw is, these back teeth aren't going to line up. And in most cases, you have to push one side out more than the other side. So a lot of dentists that use appliances that have screws in them, you can't control that asymmetry as well as you can with this one. This one, you just solder a little wire on here that goes to this tooth, and you pick that one tooth out more than you do the other side. And would, if one wears a night guard, would they wear this just in place of it or in addition to it? Uh, in place of it. Okay. It so this, this, would, this would have the net bonus benefit of stopping you grinding because your teeth aren't touching because right. that thing's in there. Right. And would you eat with this in? You do do that. Really? That's, that's the challenging part of this. <laughs> and it typically takes someone about four days to figure out how to do that. Right. Uh, but uh, people get um, the vast majority. There's uh, less than probably... Uh, 5% that don't figure out how to eat with them. And, they, and then after you have them in for just a few days and you decompress that jaw joint, when you take them out, you can't get your back teeth together again. So that phenomenon dentistry is not aware of, orthodontists aren't aware of, and they don't utilize it in orthodontic treatment. They don't realize that you can decompress that joint, reinflate the cartilage, and put the jaw in a different position. So people with severe overbites, you could treat them with this technique, but generally traditional orthodontics treat them surgically. They break the jaws and slide them forward. Oh, God. And, and so and that's that, totally unnecessary? In most cases. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so that ends up leaving the jaw joint 
back into the socket too far because you're only, you break it and slide just the front half forward. Right? And so that's really not the optimum treatment of you need to bring the whole jaw forward to decompress the judgment. Wow. I'll be damned. So, so a lot of those surgeries end up causing complications also because of that. I can imagine. And so if someone, so if I'm at a three on a one to 10, 10 being the worst, and you've got someone who's you know, at a five where it, it's likely that they want to address it, how much time are you looking for uh, you know, in terms of getting it aligned again? And then is it just fixed forever? Does someone need to wear an appliance like this for the rest of their life to keep it in place? So this appliance you would use for phase one to find out where the jaw needs to be. We would use it most of phase two to grow the teeth in vertically and to control the width of the jaw and with the ramps to control the front to back positioning of the jaw. And uh, then in phase three, the nighttime retention did have a separate appliance that fits both upper and lower jaw. They won't let the upper jaw relapse back this way or the lower jaw to relapse back that way. Uh, I see. And they're just wearing that at night. Just wearing that at nighttime. Just keep yep. things in place. So, so your goal is to get those back teeth tall enough so that you can not have to wear a daytime appliance. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah, because that's got to be a bit of an inconvenience. Right. So does, as you're wearing this, you you wear it all the time, take it off, brush your teeth, and put it right back on. Wow. And does that show the little metal bits? So most people uh, show about this, but you don't see the upper appliance at all, but you can usually see the lower pads just a little bit in there. Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. And roughly, and I, you know, I don't know if this is possible to estimate, but what if someone is you know moderately affected and they want to go through these three phases and get to just having to wear the night guard? What are they looking at spending throughout that whole most process? Of, most of the moderate cases would be in the neighborhood about seven to nine thousand. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's actually not that bad. Mm, not last different. time I got a bunch of fillings, it was like ten grand. <laughs> so I was telling you the story earlier. I'll tell the listeners I I needed a bunch of fillings and I can't stand getting dental work done. And so they were going to do one or two because they were I don't know. They, 700 a thousand bucks a piece or something and when i was under the, the uh, nitrous oxide i was high as shit and uh <laughs> and i was fine you know and I, I said keep going keep going just do them all do them all and so they did and then i came off the gas and i went to the front desk and they said oh that'll be ten thousand dollars <laughs> i was like what did you guys do they said you told us we, you know <laughs> we have it on record so be careful what you agree to uh, <laughs> under uh, dental drugs folks but that's actually, I mean, that's quite reasonable. So some cases, real extreme cases, you could run up fifteen, twenty thousand. Okay. Right. Wow. If you have, if you, have a, you know, some of these cases, if you've got to reverse a lot of bad orthodontics, it's going to take them maybe five years treatment plan or something. And and on year three phases for someone who's kind of you know in a is affected, but it's not dramatic. What kind of time frame are we looking at? Most cases are going to be about eighteen to twenty four months. Okay, a couple of years you can bang it out. Right. Okay. Cool. Wow. All right. Well, that's that's hopeful. And then what about, uh, I have to ask this one because it was just so random. I've heard you talk about how this can relate to erectile dysfunction as well. And I'm so curious as to how that relates. So it's going um, it's, it's, it's to affect hormone secretion for one, right? Your, your uh, testosterone is going to be affected by your substance P levels. It's going gonna, it's gonna to impact peripheral circulation. Um, your um, uh, substance P dilates blood vessels, right? And and then it contracts smooth muscles, and so it's a major regulator of erectile function too. Oh, and then you also mentioned earlier that it has the tendency to make you estrogen dominant. Too, right, it's going to yeah. have this negative cascade effect on all your hormone production. Right, 
Interesting. Yeah, I just, it's funny as I do interviews with people, that comes up a lot in, in ways that I wouldn't think it would be related. You know, like right. I was interviewing um, that same doctor, Scott Schur, on hyperbaric oxygen treatment. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great for people with all these, you know, serious diseases and recovering from surgery and all kinds of stuff. And he said, yeah, one of the main things people use it for is erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So it builds new capillaries. Huh. Like, who knew? Mm-hmm. So there you go, guys. <laughs> get out and crush it. Get your jaw fixed. Um, for people that can't get up here to uh, the Oakland area, because I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, oh, I got to go see this guy now. Uh, how would one find a dentist anywhere in the world that does the type of work that you do? So the probably the closest to what people do that I do that do precision jaw orthopedics, they don't, for the most part, understand a lot of the neurology that we just talked about. But there's a uh, college, of, it's called the International College of cranial mandibular orthopedics, ICCMO.org. And so that would be your best chance of finding somebody in your locale that understands uh, jaw orthopedics. Cool. So that's just, is that like an international directory? Yes. Uh Uh, Okay. Yeah. And then um, give us your website and contact information, all that for people that are curious and can make it out to this part of the world. So I'm at uh, tmjcalifornia.com. Um, and we're in um, Alameda, California, right? Little island next to Oakland. Uh, Amazing the, view, by the way. We're at the end of the <laughs> runway for the Oakland airport. We look out over the water in the bay. I noticed that when I checked in my hotel last night. I said, I have like an upper floor. And she said, sure. So she put me on the side of the airport. <laughs> and I moved my bags in the room and I heard. <laughs> I waited for about 15 minutes. I thought, well, let me see how often it is. And it was quite often. So I moved to the, you know, this facing uh, east east uh, facing mm-hmm. side of it but yeah it's actually a really beautiful area i went for a walking meditation along the the uh the, the bay, bay there. here yeah Great. it's a really nice little park so it's a, a random little area that you're in but it's actually quite nice and super convenient to the airport too. it is it's nice airport. yeah, I mean, yeah we like, have pretty large flying clientele yeah. yeah i bet i bet yeah cool man what else do i want to ask you? i think there's one other thing how to contact you how to find someone else that does this uh Shoot, man, I guess I, I guess we covered it all. Is there anything else you want to add? Or do you think we um, we looked in all the nooks and crannies of this particular I th- I specialty? Think, um, I think some of the other uh, aspects of um, 7P, one would be brain inflammation. That's neurodegenerative diseases. So MS, um, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, all those are likely going to have a bite component to them, too. Um, the um, the autoimmune disorders, the cancers, you know, I think I think that as bites degenerate worldwide, uh, that would account for a lot of the viral epidemics and the and the cancer rates going up dramatically worldwide. Wow, and that's the thing too. I guess every generation, as you were saying, it's going to get worse, worse and, and worse. worse. So if you have both parents that have a bad bite, the offspring is going to have a worse one, and so on and so right. on. Next thing you know, people are super jacked up and full of the substance <laughs> P on all kinds of problems. So, so that pretends for also, yeah. you know, its effect on um, anger and violent, uh, you know, the, all the multiple shootings and stuff and the, the uh, yeah, everything uh, could get a lot worse with uh, social violence. Right, right. Wow, mm. damn. All right, cool. Well, you know what to do, folks uh, listening, man. You got to get your jaw checked out. And, you know, perhaps yours. Is, I thought mine would be a lot worse because I just always assume the worst when it comes to my health and some of the symptoms I had with that inflammation and pain and stuff. So I was glad to 
find that mine's not that bad, but I want it to be perfect. So I'm a zero. So I'm definitely personally going to follow through with the, the protocol as goofy as I'm going to feel wearing that thing in my mouth. I have to take it out for interviews. So I imagine when you, when you first use the appliance, you probably have to get used to speaking. Does it typically give people a little bit of a lisp? Or it does. For, for about the first week. Oh, only about a week? Only about a week. Yeah, and then you, then you get used to the body adapts. And yeah. when you take the appliances out, then you can't, it's hard to talk without a man. Oh, that's it's, funny. It's, yeah, so there's a little adaptation period going right. in and coming right. off. Right. Yeah. All right, cool. Man, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Sure. As I said, this has been on, even on my to-do list of interviews for uh, two or three years now, almost since the very beginning. I'm glad we finally yeah. got it together right. and I motivated myself to fly up here and um, I came up here just for this and I'm really glad I did. So thank you for your dedication and the passion you have for your work. I noticed that walking in, you're for even recording, you're excited just to tell me all this stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 wait till the mics are on. Wait, this is golden, you know? So thank you for doing what you do. Sure. And uh, I look forward to you, um, you know, training some other people in this too. And yeah, we're about to turn that corner. Yeah, yeah that's going to be amazing. I find a lot of times I meet someone who's really honed in on a specialty. There's only one of them, you know, and more people need help. So I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Thanks brother. Luke. Uh-huh. Yeah, see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, guys, we just made it through episode 320 of the Lifestylist Podcast. I want to thank you per usual for joining me on today's show. It's such a treat for me to have the opportunity to seek out experts that have a very nuanced viewpoint on health issues or even spiritual practices. So when I find someone like Dr. Jennings, it brings me great pleasure to pick their brain for all of their wisdom and share it with you. I feel like the most fortunate guy in the world. And on top of that, sometimes I even get to experience the modalities or treatments or expertise that our guests uh, are known for. And this was the case in this particular episode. So right after this show, if you want to dive in, you can catch the bonus show where we walk you through my exam with Dr. Jennings. And uh, this will, of course, make a lot more sense if you listen to both episodes, right? So if you just popped on to the bonus show that comes out after this, Uh, number 321, you'd be like, what is happening here? But I want to encourage you to check it out. If your curiosity was piqued by this conversation, you'll be able to get to see uh, Dwight in action. And it's really fascinating how he does these exams. It's unlike anything I've ever experienced uh, at any dental office, to say the least. So that's uh, episode 321 that is already live if you want to keep this party going. I might recommend that you check that on video just because it will be easier to contextualize. Anyway, that's what's up with the world of TMJ and jaw alignment and the work of Dr. Jennings. Let's move on to next week's episode, number 322, entitled Good Vibrations, Bioharmonics, and Sound Healing with Dr. Vibe. That's my friend, Dr. Steven Schwartz, and he makes this thing called the Vibe Bed, and he created all these special musical tracks that put you into a trance and have a really positive effect on your mind, consciousness, body. Very cool stuff. Dude is an OG biohacker from back in the day. So in next week's episode, we not only talk about sound healing, but also tons of other healing and biohacking devices that have been uh, out for many years. He's been doing this for a long, long time. So that's next week. Can't wait for you to join me there. And then last, but of course not least, let's thank our sponsors. First one up is Sovereignty. You can find them at sovereignty.co slash Luke. That's S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y, Sovereignty.co slash Luke. During the holiday season here in 2020, you can save 20% off at Sovereignty.co slash Luke with the code Luke20. 
These guys make some really powerful, powerful, and actually surprisingly tasty herbal formulae. Two of them. One that helps you calm down and or go to sleep. One of them that gives you focus and energy. They're badass. Sovereignty.co slash Luke. Next one is beekeepersnaturals.com. And uh, the code there is lifestylist for 15% off what I believe are the best bee products in the world. In fact, no shit. Right now I'm staring at a uh, an unpacked box of tons of Beekeepers Naturals products that they just had delivered to me in my temporary home in Sedona, Arizona. So I am super stoked. In fact, this morning I had some... What did I have this morning? I had some of the, uh, the uh, bee pollen. Took a handful of that and uh, took the dog for a walk. And on some days, I even sprinkle a little bit of that on the dog food. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like some expensive dog food. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but she just gets a little bit because she's only 18 pounds. And I, I know I'm doing her right with some bioavailable copper and some really unique enzymes and things that are present in bee pollen and other bee products. I'm a huge believer in supplements that are derived from nature. And beekeepersnaturals.com does something really cool in that they also protect beekeepers and sustainable beekeeping practices around the world. So they are just extremely, um, you know, well-suited company for this show because they're environmentally, socially sound, and they also just make some really high-end products. So that's beekeepersnaturals.com. Huge fan, happy to support them, happy to receive their support in the form of dollar dollar bills. Last but not least, Just Thrive. That's justthrivehealth.com. The audience code there is Luke15, and that gets you 15% off some of those badass probiotics in the world. They are not a waste of money. You know, a lot of people don't realize this. You just go to Whole Foods and like, oh, my stomach's weird. I'm going to take some probiotics. Many people don't realize that um, (laughs) those probiotics don't have the ability or opportunity to proliferate and um, actually, you know, become cultured in your gut. Uh, Often they die because of the heat of the digestive tract and the acids and all these things, right? So they might have some enzymes and some other benefits just like fermented foods. But if you really want to lock in the gut health, you want, in my opinion, to get a spore-based probiotic. So that's what JustThriveHealth.com makes in addition to a couple other great products. Uh, One that's really great for immunity. If you're someone who's worried about the Rona and those type of things, uh, you want to fortify your immune system, I think that's a good idea to do all the time. I'm always working on my immune system. And of course, your immune system is so directly correlated to your gut health. So those guys are going to help you out with that. And, um, you know, when I do these ad plugs, man, I always try to provide a little value. I don't just want to be like, hey, buy this thing, buy this thing, Uh, fork over your cash. Um, But I really do a lot of research into all of the products that I represent. And it's fun to actually uh, share some of the information that I learn about them. And it's one of the things about my job that I really enjoy is being able to really research and vet these brands and these products so that I am only representing the best of the best. And uh, that helps me feel really good to be in my integrity and know that if you guys are going to spend some cash and you don't have to, the show's free, right? Uh, That you're not going to be wasting your money. So there you go. So thank you so much for joining me. And I'll be back inside your head next Tuesday. 